You're listening to Say Yes to Travel with your host, Sarah Dandeshi. Welcome back to another episode of Say Yes to Travel. When I started this podcast at the beginning of the year, I did not expect things to go the way they have gone in the travel industry. And I've been meaning to open this up with interviews and I'm so excited because there's kind of like no time like the present to start interviews considering that most of us are stuck at home. I'm super excited to introduce our very first guest, Calvin Taloki, who, Calvin, we've met online and Mm -hmm. uh, we've become... We've become friends. I mean, I think we're friends at least. Uh, I think so. I'll accept that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, so Calvin, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody uh, and let us know a little bit about you and your background in relation to the travel industry. Oh, sure. Uh, so again, my name is Calvin Taloki. I, uh, I currently work in Manhattan at a, a luxury property as a director of revenue. I've been in the industry close to close to 20 years now. Um, I did go to school for hospitality at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, where I studied mm-hmm. hotel restaurant management. Um, and travel has always been a part of my life. You know, my family is from Trinidad. So we've we've traveled. I've had a passport since I was about one years old. That's amazing. Oh, one year That's- old, uh, to use proper English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, since you were one years old. Yeah, <laughs> most of my family still lives there. Uh, it's just my immediate family is here. So you know, my brother and I, growing up, it was always um, spend our entire summer on the island. You know, three months there. So I kind of feel like I grew up half and half between here and there. You know, so travel and and going to different places has always been part of me. And uh, I was drawn to the hotel restaurant management. Um, major for that reason, and uh, what what really you know made me make the make the decision to do it was uh, was the, the the hands-on training. So our campus has a small hotel. I think it's maybe twenty to twenty-five rooms, but it was a type of thing where you would take a class and be able to execute that immediately. You'd work at the front desk. You'd work in housekeeping. We had multiple events throughout the year, the school year, where students would purchase food, prep food, serve it, bust it down, clean. And um, two major things we had were uh, a huge gala event every year, which was a, a, a fundraiser for this for the university, um, completely student run. So we did everything from start to finish. And uh, the other one, which is really fun, was uh, there was a dinner theater, which we did in conjunction with the, with the drama students, which is a, a three night event, you know, they came in, they would put on their, their play or whatever it was. And we, as the hospitality students were, would serve dinner while this was going on. Um, so I, I really like to be able to just kind of jump right in and apply what you were learning in the classroom immediately. Um, so that was that. And then during my last couple of years at school, I, uh, I worked at, I worked for Hilton and I worked at the front desk. Uh, so you know, going through what you everybody goes through at the front desk, you know, dealing with with the public and check ins and checkouts of, of, of course, weighted tables. You know, I think most of us have, you know, this kind of way we all start out. Um, and upon graduation, I got a job at the same Hilton I interned at as a reservations manager. Oh, cool. Um, 
So I kind of got right into the revenue world, sort of. I mean, the revenue and reservations are very closely tied. Um, reservations is a great place to start because you kind of can, you're kind of the hub for everybody, for revenue, for sales, for front office. Um, may don't need the department to really, even finance, yeah, even accounting. You know, you set up a lot of billing and stuff like that. So reservations is a great place to start because you kind of get a feel for everything and then kind of decide where you want to go. And uh, truth be told, I knew very early on, I was not an operations person. I didn't want to be working holidays and weekends and, and all that stuff. So I, I knew it was either going to be sales or revenue. And I can't sell anything. So I was like, I'm figure this revenue thing out. Um, from there, you know, I spent a few years there longer than I should have. But uh, um, life took me to different things. I just I, my first, my first director of revenue just wasn't, uh, wasn't, we weren't a good fit personality wise. And I didn't think that I wanted to do his job. He was always super stressed out and he just did not, it did not look like a fun career move. So from there, I went to work for Gordon Ramsay, um, opening his first restaurant in Manhattan, which was, uh, at the time was based at the London NYC hotel. So you're, you're familiar with that brand. Um, so I was the reservations manager for, for him there. Um, so, but F, even though it was reservations in F and B, the F and B world is still long hours. So they wanted me to run the, run the reservations, get there at, for the phone lines to open at 9am and then stay through the first shift of service because I also managed the hostess. So this was like 14, 15 hour days and then a commute home just wasn't that wasn't for me I, that's not something i keep up yeah so long story short spent a lot of time in in reservations after the gordon ramsay experience i got back into hotels and i've been in hotels ever since paired myself up with another uh a different director of revenue at this time who was a lot more engaging she was a lot calmer and she was a great teacher um and i really figured out that this is something that not only would allow me to not work weekends and holidays, but I could be good at. <laughs> and I really enjoy the enjoy the strategy of, of revenue management. So I've been doing it ever since. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, uh, and this is why I was really so keen on having you here. Considering your background, you, you understand hotels inside and out because you have worked on the operations side of things. You certainly work behind the scenes. You understand the finance, you understand the revenue management, like that is what you do, you know? So that's why I really wanted to talk to you uh, right now because let's bring everybody up to current day. Uh, we are, we're, we're here and we are in the throes of it as far as the coronavirus um, in the United States. Uh, you're based in New York. I'm based in Los Angeles. How are things at work in the industry as as a whole in New York City? It's a very scary time. It's a very scary time. And I think what's what's scary about it is the uncertainty. You know, no one knows where this ends. Um, I got off the phone with my general manager earlier and he used the word eerie. Because uh, he's he's living in the building, you know, to just kind of always be on call for things at this point. And we have one guest tonight. And I can only imagine if you're in a building that's typically, we on average will run a 94% occupancy for the year. 
you know, so we're, we're all, we're, a slow day for us is the slowest you might see is 65%. And that's on a Sunday, you know? Uh, so to have a, a place that's usually bustling like that, we have great, you know, rooftop and F&B space, and it's always very lively. There's jazz every night and all of this stuff. And now none of that's going on. And you have maybe six to one employees to guest. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's, I'm sure it's really, how, do you have any idea as far as how many employees at all are there? Uh, in total at the hotel, we have seven employees and that includes myself, uh, some, a couple of salespeople who are, you know, working forward and trying to convert this business that's trying to cancel now and trying to get them to just rebook for later in the year. And a couple of operations people, you know, we have to have security, you know, somebody who's fire safety uh, certified on the property. So yeah, I think it's, it's about seven of us at this point. It's it, Yeah. And same. So even in my property here in Los Angeles, definitely going through the same sort of situation, uh, always used to operating at a very high occupancy rate, uh, high 90s. And now we're definitely below 10%. And it is minimal. I, you can't even call it a skeleton crew because it's, it's, it's less than that. It's, it's insane. And this, I think that's, and, you know, mentioning those words, scary, eerie, I mean, really ultimately it's unprecedented times and we, and there are a lot of unknowns. There are not only a lot of unknowns in regards to the actual virus, but there's a lot of unknowns as far as how long this will last. And like, once we kind of get out of it, will will we come back? Um, But so we actually had this amazing Instagram live conversation yesterday and I I thoroughly loved I thoroughly loved it because we just I feel like we talked about so many of like the things like the meat of what's going on mm-hmm. and um you know one of the things that we kind of was somebody asked us is what we think as far as like the timeline as far as like coming out of it right this so what are your thoughts on that Well I think in the immediate future, you know, we're looking at as a market for New York um, to be back around 50% in June, uh, which in a situation like this is is a recovery. You know, again, we're looking at 10% this month, maybe in, probably similar in April, uh, slightly better in May. But I think June is when we kind of kind of see it turn around a bit. Um, but looking at some of the uh, reporting through STR and some of these other um these other places, I think it's going to take anywhere from two years for occupancy to come back and maybe three years for occupancy, uh, for ADR, excuse me, to rebound. So we're not looking at an immediate rebound, but I do think we'll see within 90 days, you'll start to see people coming back and traveling again. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that once we kind of get to a different, different point of, of things that, you know, there will be that sort of like trickle in effect um, and then even like operations wise, I, I think this was an interesting point that was brought up the other day is, you mm-hmm. know, for people to maybe if, especially if they're hourly employees, not expecting to necessarily dive back into a full schedule, like it's, it's all going to be, right. you know, kind of, we'll be kind of like crawling out of this together in essence. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, well, I think, you know, with, um, you know, with, the owners of the hotels obviously look at things from a, you know, profit and loss standpoint. And, you know, once you get into a situation like this, you're going to be, they're going to be trying to run the hotel as lean as possible, which I think is always the case. 
But in a situation like this, where you now have somebody wearing three or four hats, may, that's going to likely continue when you, when you come out of this. They're not going to immediately say, hey, let's just go back to full staff if we can get by with, hey, if this person showed over the last three months, we kept them employed and they did the, the work of two people, they they can keep doing that, you know? And uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's a reality, you know? And I think a key word that, come, that comes up in a situation like this is making yourself essential. And, and that's how you do it. And people who, who are raising their hand to do more, who are saying, yes, you know, let me at it. No problem. I can help are the ones who are going to be more successful coming out of this. That's a really good point. I, I mean, definitely going forward, uh, I think we really are going to see uh, more hybrid positions. I, I, I mean, personally, and, and I probably shouldn't even be putting it out there just because of of my role within the concierge community. But I, I mean, certainly as I can speak to that, I feel like there will be a lot more desks that will be hybrid desks, that they will be combining concierge and front desk positions. I mean, we were already seeing that trend to begin with, but I think that that's just going to accelerate that. Um, and that's just one example, but 100%, we're definitely going to be seeing a lot of hybrid positions moving forward. Did you have any um, takeaways or were there any interesting questions that, that you remember from yesterday that we discussed that you wanted to like talk about a, some more? I, well, I know we, we talked about the uh, about the UK giving 80% of salary to employees, which blew me away, you know. Um, and it's interesting because that particular follower, uh, we've engaged quite a bit over the years. So I know he works at a, at a nice hotel in London. And uh, it's just, it's all about perspective, right? You know, he's, they're getting 80% and he's, you know, wondering, hey, where's the extra 20 coming from? Which is not, I'm not judging it. It's 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 not a bad thing, but that's just where he's coming from because because they got it already, and we're here fighting to get anything at this point. You know, in in the U.S., you know. Now, granted, Europe was dealing with this a lot earlier than we were, but you know, you know, I have a link in my bio right now to for people to sign a petition so your representative can put put pressure on your representatives for us to get some help for hotels and, you know, some sort of a bailout and get people back to work. And um, listen, I'd kill for 80%. And I think a lot of people would at this point because unemployment is nowhere near that. Definitely. <laughs> you know? No, unemployment is definitely nowhere near that. And it's funny that you say that because I just earlier today was talking to a concierge friend of mine in Germany and he was basically saying how his company has just told everybody that works for them that they're going to pay them out for the rest of the month. Wow. Uh, so at least they have, whether they're working or not, they're getting a, their full you know, hourly pay or salary for the rest of the month. That's um, amazing, yeah. Amazing, although after a month, they don't know where they stand. So, I mean, and I think a lot of people are just like in this situation. It's like, where where, where do we stand? And it, because again, there are just so many unknowns. Uh, yeah. How do you see this, aside from maybe like hybrid positions, how do you see this maybe affecting the, the industry moving forward just in, in the future? Yeah, well, I think um, this was also a point that was raised and uh, someone made a great comment. I think, um, number one, from a sales dealing with contracts standpoint, I think this changes force majeure and, and those type of things. I think people are really, you know, you're going to have to change your lingo and and 
and we we've done it at, at my property already to try to entice people to to book now you know during these uncertain times but i think that's something that's definitely going to change but the other thing i we didn't get to yesterday that i thought about was um just about uh cleanliness we'll, we'll use that word um, because right now, well, prior to all of this, sustainability is a big buzzword for hotels. A lot of companies, a lot of groups, they want to know what you're doing to be green, to reduce your carbon footprint and those type of things, which is obviously all very important. And that and we've we've won or lost business, you know, because of those things. If we're not putting it out there enough, what we're doing, uh, hotels have, I mean, groups have chosen other hotels because they felt that they were doing more. Um, but I think now with this, people are going to be super uh, sensitive to, you know, cleanliness. Well, how do your housekeepers clean the rooms? What products are they using? Are they able to kill these viruses? And it w- that's something that's definitely going to have to be addressed. Yeah. Do you think that there might be a bit of a, um, you, before, you know, different sustainability measures or, or just even being green as far as, yeah, don't, you know, put your, don't, don't put your towel on the floor unless you want it to be washed. And so people kind of going, going further, but now it'll be curious to see whether people are like, nope, wash it all. Don't care. One use. Yeah. <laughs> we might see a bit of that for yeah, a while. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I, th- I think it'll probably come to a point where maybe people develop, um, cleaning products that that can kill these viruses like we know that you know pre-orel can do that hand sanitizer can do that so maybe we start there's some sort of a cleaning um product that hotels will have to start using that can do it just to be on the safe side you know um but it's interesting when things like this come up obviously this is the biggest one but you know going back to um erin andrews from espn with with her situation in a hotel you know years ago it became a huge thing oh every third phone call you got was, well, how do we prevent this from happening? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so any, any, anything like that, that gets major news, it, it, it it impacts the industry and it impacts the business. And this is more than major. There's not a big enough word I could think of for this one. So it's absolutely going to change. And I think we're just kind of scratching the surface on what it's going to look like. Yeah, definitely. What would you say, um, what would you say like are some lessons that you've learned from from this experience so far? We still have so much more to learn, but yeah. so far. Well, um it's funny. Well, as a as a revenue manager, you know, where no is pretty much the, the major word in our vocabulary, you know, because we're, we're one of the few, we're maybe the only department outside of finance maybe that we just we just here to worry about the money. You know, and I consider myself a hotelier. You know, I got like I said, I've been in, involved in the industry and travel for a long time, and I, I love, you know, impacting the guest experience. But my my primary role is to is to bring the money in. And um, during this experience, I've had to become a lot more lenient uh, with cancellations and policies, and and you know, be, because now you put on the the humanity hat. And you realize, well, these people are scared. You know, these people are, have had canceled flights. They're stuck or whatever. And um, so it's changed my approach. And, you know, likely will, you know, in the future, maybe I'll be a bit more, uh, you know, lenient on things like that as far as, uh, 
uh, nope, you book non-refundable. I'm not trying to hear it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it's definitely, definitely interesting times indeed. Um, well, before we wrap this up, I just wanted to see, like, were there any topics that you wanted to talk about? Just throwing it out there, just there's any any other things that, you know, because we did have such a great chat yesterday. Yeah, it was. It was. We talked about so much. I mean, I could talk about travel and hotels all day, you know. Um, it's, it's it's a perfect industry for me because, you know, any every three months I'm going somewhere, you know. Um, so I feel like I, I kind of live it and breathe it, you know. Uh, I know we talked about favorite trips or destinations, you know, that's always something fun to touch on. Mm-hmm. So what's your, what's your coming out of this? What would be your first destination that you'd like to go to? I think it's going to be Switzerland. Um, yeah, coming out of this. So my, my anniversary is in a few weeks, April 6th. And then my wife's birthday is at the end of the month. So April is typically a big travel month for us. We usually you at least do a long weekend for one and a full vacation for the other, um, which likely won't, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, so, and that's, that's my wife's favorite place to go. It's my favorite place to go now. <laughs> she went to school there and um, I always tell people when we met, she I guess, kept talking to me about it, about how beautiful it was and everything. And you hear that for 10 years and you're like, nothing's this nice. There's nothing that this nice. You know, I'm like, you're nostalgic. You went to college there. You know, I, I get it. Um, and then we finally went, I think the first time was four or five years ago. And you'd fly to Geneva and we, we go to Montreux, which is right on Lake, Lake Geneva. And about 40 minutes into the drive, you start to see the, the rolling green hills and the, the chalets up in the mountains and the cows and the mountains and the lake. And I turned to her and I said, you didn't sell this good enough. This is incredible. You know, it's it's like living in a postcard. Um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 amazing, and I think there's no every time I go there within within a few hours, you're just completely relaxed. You're just sitting up, you know, crisp mountain air. It's quiet, and you just sit and relax. Glass of wine. Look at look at the at the lake and the mountains, and you know that can de-stress me at the best time. So this will be a big challenge for Switzerland. If it can de-stress us after this, then it's, it's definitely number one destination. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful destination. Um, so the name of this podcast is called say yes to travel. What do you love about travel? Oh, I, you know, I'm a kind of person when I, I travel, I love to experience the culture. Um, I tell people like the first time I went to to Scotland was the first time I really had whiskey, you know, you know, growing up, my grandfather would drink scotch. He drank doers and, you know, Johnny Walker and it just smelled disgusting. I'm like, I'm not drinking. How do you drink that? You know, but we went to, to Edinburgh um, years ago and I'm like, well, I'm in Scotland. You have to drink scotch. This is what you do. Right. And the first time I, I took a sip, hit the back of my throat, I think I coughed for about a minute straight. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But I'm a big whiskey drinker now. You know, I, I love it. It's my drink of choice. You know, so I think I love figuring out what's unique about that destination, whether it be a drink, a cuisine, something like that. And uh, just kind of 
just just enjoying that and i i just enjoy being around people i'm definitely an extrovert you know so i just like seeing people enjoying the travel or going to and from work whatever it is they're doing and just just kind of seeing how they live mm-hmm. no i mean i i totally agree with you for me travel is about the humanity so um so yeah so i i definitely definitely feel you on that um okay so that being said Thank you so, so much for joining me on this podcast, being my first interview. I really appreciate it. I am honored. Uh, Do you want want to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you online? Uh, You can find me on Instagram, uh, Ref Problems. Uh, We also have Ref Par Travels if you want to follow uh, my my travels and Ref Par Growth for um, career advice, resume tips, um, that type of thing. Amazing. Amazing. Cool. Well, thank you again so, so much. I'll be sure to let everybody know how they can find you, share links with this, and um, and then I'll let you know when it's ready to go. But I truly appreciate you being here. And it's so great to have a fellow hotelier on, on board, especially during these times, to really just help everyone say yes to travel. So Absolutely. thanks again, and I'll see everyone soon. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>